So my pledge to you is that I will do my best to try to balance out these more controversial viewpoints with other people's perspectives so we can maybe find a better point of view. I don't want to just show the, the contrary opinion to what the narrative is. I want to show all kinds of opinions so that we can all figure out what's going on and, and not just about COVID, about everything, about health, about fitness, wellness, the, the state of the world itself. It's a strange responsibility to have this many viewers and listeners. It's very strange and it's nothing that I prepare for and it's nothing that I ever anticipated. I am going to do my best in the future to uh, balance things out. I'm going to do my best. But my point of doing this is always just to create interesting conversations and ones that I hope people enjoy. So if I pissed you off, I'm sorry. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, thank you. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, I think it's uh, about three weeks in a row. And likely will be four weeks in a row as I have next week's show almost already done. More on that here in a few minutes. This is the Stone On Air podcast for February 3rd, a Thursday once again drop as they say, the year 2022. The original theme song music I used when I started doing talk radio shows back in August of 2006. It's Crackers, I Hate My Generation. David Lauer, the lead singer for uh, this band, Cracker, is uh, one of the loudest voices in the I Hate Spotify um, group, the crowd, the the fight, the march. But it has nothing to do with Joe Rogan or anybody else. It has to do with their horrendous, offensive copyright fees and reimbursements and whatever the right terminology is. Basically, they don't pay anybody to play their mu- their music on their platform. You got to you got to make millions of listeners to have any kind of actual real money coming in. And how they get away with it, I don't know, but he is a, a he he's an intellectual type. He teaches some kind of music business theory something or other class at uh, as an adjunct and that what they call a professor at University of Georgia uh, absolutely love the man but he talks so eloquently and so uh, jargon filled I on his Twitter account I'm like I don't even know what the hell I'm I don't even tell you talking about like I know what your what the plight is and I know what your fight is because I've it's always been the same um but I just I don't even get it so uh, more on uh, Spotify and um, the current things going on for actually a majority of the show. That was a, a little piece of the Joe Rogan explanation. Some some people call it an apology. It was not an apology. It was an explanation. And I think it was actually absolutely brilliant. I think it was well, well done. It was about 
uh, 10 minutes long. And in the final segment of the show, I'm going to play about seven more cuts, probably equaling around five minutes or so, and just have some commentary on it. In the second segment of the show, I'm going to play a about five-minute clip from the Chattanooga Drive-In Show with Jen, Russell, Jeff Styles, and, and me, I, myself, however the pronunciation, the, per, the the proper pronunciation or grammar is supposed to be um, talking about this very thing. And then a couple of audio clips I just stumbled on literally an hour ago from Bill Burr's podcast. So very rarely do I spend a majority of an entire show on one subject, but that will be close to what I'm doing today. Uh, Let's see. So I already have next week's show almost done. I'm going to have Weston Womp audio for you. Next week from the Chattanooga Drive-In Show, I'm going to have a, uh, a a visitor from um, from somewhere he's British, somewhere over in you know England or thereabouts uh, that area, and um, his thoughts on the city of Chattanooga. It was a very fun conversation we had on the Chattanooga Drive-In Show, and I'm going to play audio back from that next week as well. That's not time sensitive in any stretch; it could be done at any time, and so I'll do that next week. One quick thing I will say here. I try to keep language at a minimum. I think it's a, a dullard-like exercise to just throw a bunch of cussing around in a in a, any kind of performance-based anything. I just think it, it has its place, but it's gratuitously, it, it drives me nuts, so I try to stay away from that. There'll be kind of a lot of language in this from um, maybe myself a little bit and Bill Burr, and um, I can't remember exactly, but I remember thinking as I'm doing this, like, man, this is kind of going to have more language than I'm used to. So just so you know, on the front end. So let's start off. I'm in a pretty good mood, but I want to get, I want to at least try to uh, fabricate some anger here. Okay. City of East Ridge, I need you to listen to me now. Tell your sanitation department, your drivers, your garbage uh, pickup that I have really appreciated and in uh, the entire department, I really have given a lot of. Uh, of uh, praise to sanitation in the city of East Ridge. I'm living here now for 15 years. The city surfaces are really actually pretty damn good, but I've had enough of this. Some reason, somehow, my house is just being chosen to not pick up my garbage regularly, and it's been going on now for about a year and a half, maybe longer. Every three or four weeks, it's just some reason they just don't get my garbage. I go look up and down the alleyway where I where my uh, all the cans are for the area that I live in because I'm on South Seminole, but that's not where the garbage is. It's, it's, a, it's a little kind of North Chattanooga style little alleyway that goes back behind the houses. And the neighbors next to me have two cans. All right. They don't recycle. Never. They don't even have a recycling bin. So they have two cans overflowing every week. And every time they pick up their two and then for some reason, not every time, but when they do, then they skip me. And then I look, I walk down to look at uh, the other neighbors on the other side and they pick up their garbage. For some reason, they're just skipping mine because it, I guess there's three in a row. And they're not quite in a row. I'm about 20 feet away from the other two. And I guess this lazy ass just says, I'm just not getting three in, in, in a two house uh, area. I don't know. I don't understand. But it has been happening with some kind of regularity to the point that, that I now think they better have picked up my goddamn garbage or I'm going to lose it because also because I I'm the world's best recycler and if I'm not the best I'm at least tied for the best. So I don't have a lot of garbage. I don't put the garbage can out every single week. It's it's uh at least twice a month, but it's in clear sight. You cannot miss it. It's put in the perfect position for that truck to grab it, the uh, robot arm come out and dump it. 
It is so conveniently placed, and they're just purposely, randomly not picking it up. And I called somebody a couple of years ago in the city of East Ridge, and also kudos and props to the city for actually answering the phone when you call them. There's not a, you know, a press one for English. I mean, it's, they, hello, city of East Ridge. That's pretty cool. And call the sanitation. Hello, East Ridge Sanitation. So, I mean, thank you for that. Rhonda at the city of the San- sanitation department. Um, I called them a while back, and I can't remember what came of it. And they actually made a special trip out to pick up garbage at my house at one time. I can't remember what it was. It was some kind of, I don't know. Anyway, that was a couple years ago. And I talked to the woman today, and she said, oh, I'll make sure we get this taken care of. Now, I, I have a feeling it was one of those, I'm waiting for him to stop talking, and then I'm going to go about my day. We'll see. But come on, damn it. City of East Ridge. I've been here a while. I've championed this, you know, hard to be a fan of city of, you know, Hamilton County for a long time and have praised the city services. Let's go. I now have a month's worth of garbage in my garbage can because not because they've missed me for a month. I just haven't needed them until, you know, when I need them and they're skipping me again for whatever reason. Doesn't make any sense. All right. What else? I have a handful of things here that uh, maybe I'll get to later. Something from the East Nashvilleian, a publication uh, that I wanted to read that was kind of funny. Uh, Bannon Books. Yeah, I don't I don't have the energy for that right now. Uh, but I do want to speak to it just a little bit at some point. Um, the NFL uh, mess that's up in the air right now, I, I want to spend some time on that. Maybe next week. This is a story that is not going to go away anytime soon. And I don't mean the uh, racist NFL story. I don't even, it's not that I don't care about that because I think there's merit to that. I think there's there, there's a reason to have that discussion and I don't necessarily want to have it, but I think that it's a valid discussion to have. I'm not even talking about that. I am talking about the uh, pain, the, the allegations of owners paying, uh, I guess what you would call them bonuses to their coaches for tanking games and losing on purpose. That is a big deal. To me, when you bring in sports betting companies, sports books, partnering, I mean, maybe this is just the old school baseball in me where you don't let gambling touch your sport. And maybe people don't really care about this. I want to do a longer segment on it next week. Uh, That's a big deal. That, to me, it's a very big deal. Now, I don't really care. I don't gamble. I don't care anything about gambling. Uh, I watched my team and then I move along. If you want to go lose all your money or win all the money in the world, that's on you. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. But uh, I think that's an integrity issue that is maybe people shrug off and don't really care because people kind of thought it was happening already anyway. I don't know. More on that at uh, another time. Speaking of that, I'll talk more about this as will be the week leading up to the Super Bowl next week. I finally am not dead inside after the Titans disaster a couple weeks ago. Uh, the dead inside feeling has gone. I went back and watched some Braves highlights. Thanks to Mike Dewar for sending me a, a tweet link. I had already seen it, but I'm, I was glad he was thinking of me. That was all the biggest highlights, like a seven-minute highlight package of the World Series, and it made me remember I, I am indeed a, a champion still. Those damn Titans almost convinced me that I wasn't a champion anymore. It was, uh, it was very annoying couple more things here and i got three pieces of audio for you i got what i'm calling the worst idea the best thing ever and uh the got coolest kind of cool cool enough thing uh, i asked for a suggestion on facebook i don't do this very often 
Uh, I don't use Facebook for much of anything very often. Um, and whenever I do, it's very mostly meaningless. And I asked for a home inspector because I started looking at Google and I mean, I just don't want to throw a virtual dart and just start randomly calling companies who I don't know anything about. And I don't, I'm not going to spend the time looking through reviews and I don't believe half of those anyway. So I, I have a lot of friends that I respect their opinion. I know I didn't realize how many people I know in real estate. Jesus Christ, why didn't you ask me to get in on this business when you were doing it? Well, I know you wouldn't want competition, I guess, but uh, it's a place to be now. A little late, probably, to get in on that game. But anyway, a lot of people I knew that I would be able to trust because I need a, a home inspection on my house. Not because I'm going to sell it. Of course, that's the thing I'm getting after that. I was like, where are you going? Are you moving? What's going on? No, no, no. I just need to know exactly what's wrong with my nearly 70-year-old house as I'm going to get a home uh, equity line of credit, a HELOC, and start dropping some money into this place, or it's going to fall, uh, you know, inside on top of itself, inside of itself at some point. And um, I'm in that position where it's either refi, cash out, HELOC. I met with the Evergreen Advisors, uh, Let's Talk Money, Jim and Jamie. They 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 handle my money and they advise me on my best options. And I, usually, when I talk to them, they're giving me answers. Uh, to questions that I already know the answers to, I just need I just need validation from people who are very wealthy and not that they're wealthy that they're just very financially astute. And um, so I just need somebody to come out here so I can prioritize the projects that I'm going to long term do over the next you know, with the HELOC. It's ten years, so I've, I want to try to balance this out properly. But the point of bringing this up is, as I got. It was the opposite, reverse of what I wanted. I got exploded with suggestions and comments, all well-intentioned. It would appear uh, it was just like information overload, you know, messenger blowing up. Hey, call this person. Hey, don't trust this person. Blah, 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 blah. I appreciate the hell out of it, but I walked away in the same situation I was when I got there. I didn't know what to do. But um, it's cleared up a little bit, and I appreciate anybody who uh, reached out. I had a couple phone calls. It was uh, it was an enlightening day, as I didn't even understand what a HELOC was. Um, and I won't get into that, because that's boring. One other thing here, real quick, uh, before I get to these three pieces of audio. I, uh, I ran across this terminology today when I was looking at some, some TV show re- review for a new Netflix show. Something about the woman in a chair looking out a window uh, out a door to another woman that's one of the new highlights uh, of, of the Netflix next big thing miniseries and I stumbled on this word uh, I, I gotta make sure I say it right agora agoraphobia agoraphobia and I was like what the hell is agoraphobia a phobia and I looked it up and I thought oh my god I'm this is me <laughs> this is me in my current state in my post-covid state or my you know since covid state Agoraphobia is a mental and behavioral disorder, specifically an anxiety disorder characterized by symptoms of anxiety in situations where the person perceives the environment to be unsafe with no easy way to escape. Now, that's not the first definition I saw. That was the one I found when I dug a little more. That one is not as much me. But then when I continued on this wiki definition of this of this medical condition, I this is the one I saw that I was like, oh, my God, this is me. Agoraphobia is the condition where sufferers become anxious in unfamiliar environments or where they perceive they have very little control. Triggers for this anxiety may include wide open spaces, crowds, social anxiety, and traveling. Agoraphobia is often compounded by a fear of social embarrassment, 
and fears at onset panic attacks and appearing distraught in public. Most of the time, they avoid these areas and stay in comfort of their haven, usually their home. That's absolutely me, the control part. Not control manipulation. Not, I'm not trying to manipulate control a situation. But I've got to always be in control of my environment or I start to get anxiety. And like an example would be um, recently, you know, we were doing a trivia night with my friends. We used to do trivia every Wednesday. And it was usually at the same space. But every now and again, we'd go to a different place. It was no big deal. We were going to the tap room or tap house or whatever the hell it is in St. Elmo, you know, at the end of last year, right around the holidays, to do one, one more last one for the year while people had some time off work. And I got there first. And we'd only been there one other time, and I literally crippled in fear, and not literally, literally, I hate the poor use of the word, but I, I crippled in, in anxiety, social anxiety of being the guy who has to get there first in a crowded building with nobody there I know, only been there a time before, then I got to hopefully get a table, I got to hope that it's big enough, I got to hope that uh, I don't upset other people by trying to take up space with just me, oh my God, hurry up, where the hell are you, texting, why is it taking everybody so long, like, literally, like, total chaos in my brain. Total chaos in my brain. Never used, you know, I was, you know, the social butterfly. I could hang out with anybody. I'd go to a lookouts game by myself to, to find somebody to hang out with or just go out drinking and go see a show because I was bored one night at the new place. And now that, like, cripples me in fear. It's quite strange, really. And, I mean, I, maybe it's common. I don't know. But uh, it sucks. I can tell you that. All right, moving uh, along here as always. Let's call it, we're calling this the uh, worst idea. I'm not going to have a ton of commentary on it, but it's Ted Cruz, punchable face, Ted Cruz. The, the, the fact that he's willing to make a promise at the outset that it must be a black woman, I got to say that's offensive. You know, you right. know, black women are what, 6% of the U.S. population? He's saying to 94% of Americans, I don't give a damn about you. Shut up. You are ineligible. Shut and up. he's also saying it's actually an insult to black women. If, if oh, he came and said, I'm going to oh. put the best jurist on the court. And, and he looked at a number of people and he ended up nominating a black woman. He, he could credibly say, okay, I'm nominating the person who's most qualified. He's not right. even pretending to say that. He, he's saying, if you're a white guy, tough luck. If you're a white woman, tough luck. Yeah, it's just another page from the uh, the script for the the political entertainment uh, complex television show for that night. Um, just shut up, a, a, a rich white man telling, uh, trying to explain what's offensive to black women. Stop. Just, just, just stop. Um, Clarence Thomas was a token pick to take over for uh, for the first black judge, Justice uh, the Thorogood Marshall. Um, uh, uh, Ginsburg was a was a was a pick from 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 uh, Clinton. Uh, Trump says he wants to put a female on the seat with Barry Barrett, whatever hell her name is. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. Just stop. All right, this is great. It's super short. Might play it twice. This is today's greatest thing ever. Let's go, Brandon, and I buy what to buy. I'm fifty fucking seven, and I wear a fur coat. <laughs> Listening to Leonard Skinner out on the lake, and I took it to bow. I once had sex with Pamela Anderson. She used to be my girlfriend. Jump at the bow, bang to the boogie, to bang bang to boogie bang. All right, I set that one up poorly. Uh, of course, Kid Rock's got his just nonsensical South Park style song. Uh, all this, you know, just typical, let's go burn and stuff. And uh, so this is one more time real quick. The greatest thing ever is the new Kid Rock song. 
I let's go Brandon and I buy what to buy. I'm 50 fucking seven and I wear a fur coat. Listening to Leonard Skinner out on the lake and I took it to bow. I once had sex with Pamela Anderson. She used to be my girlfriend. Jump at the bow. Bang to the boogie to bang, bang to boogie bang. TikTok, it keeps on giving. And uh, we'll get out of here real fast on this. This is just the dude who uh, does intro drums uh, parts and has his comment section try to guess who it is. See if you can get it. And here you go. I would like to think that this is very easy, and I think that it is for people of a certain age, but just in case you're still thinking about it, I'll give you just a couple more seconds, and now it's spoiler alert time. Of course, it is 1994's The Blue Album, Weezer, and Undone, The Sweater Song. Maybe not the coolest thing, we'll call it just a pretty cool thing or a kind of cool thing. All right, for the rest of the show, uh, Joe Rogan's got a podcast. Neil Young and Joni Mitchell make music for 40 to 50 years. And the relevance of all this and the importance of all this or the lack there of both, I'll try to untangle it for basically the rest of the show. And I'll get started coming up next. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. First of all, I have several Spotify playlists that are now ruined because I am a fan of Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. I might not agree with them on everything, but they are phenomenal musicians. Phenomenal. That can't be disputed. I'm someone that likes to separate the art from the artist. I know a lot of you disagree with that, but whatever. From what I've heard, it's not necessarily that he's spreading misinformation. He's just opening up a dialogue that a lot of people don't want to be opened up, right? And for what it's worth, let's say even if he was spreading misinformation, let's just say that he's spreading total misinformation, proven untrue by endless sources. Let's say that he says you can cure COVID by licking your dog's ass. I don't know why that example came out of me so effortlessly. Um, but let's just say he said something that's so ludicrous and so not true. Do you really think people are getting their medical guidance from the guy who used to host Fear Factor? Well, unfortunately, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Probably not in droves and in the masses, but maybe. Which is why I'm kind of like, I'm not even in the middle on this. I, I don't really hardly even care what Neil Young thinks or what Joe Rogan thinks or what Joe Rogan's guests think. Uh, I do think though, however, there is a little bit of a responsibility by some people with certain kinds of powers to at least disclaimer things to try to save the some of the dumbasses from themselves. Uh, we are collectively a very, very dull dull, very 
intellectually deficient group of people in this country. And I do think there is a little bit of saving somebody from themselves kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, I said it in about a, what, a minute and a half last week with a text that I wrote that I, you know, I don't give a shit about this. And I do a little, but not really. Uh, Joe Rogan, the more I uh, kind of paid attention to the way he does his his show, it really is very, very, very well done. And I, I'm going to spend more time talking about Joe Rogan himself in the final segment of the show. Um, I will just say real quick, get it out of the way here while I'm thinking about it. Um, and when she says that, you know, uh, because of fear factor, the, the reason I've never gotten into Joe Rogan is because really three or four very, very specific things. One is everything he's done professionally, I have not been even kind of a fan of. I didn't like the man show, too. That's really, I think, his first thing into public eye of, of, of uh, you know, of, of show business. Uh, I did not like man show, too. I did not like uh, fear factor. That show made me sick repulsive television show absolutely disgusting hated everything about it um and i hate ufc i despise ufc i think it's one of the most barbaric waste of disgusting time you want to do it you want to like it you want to bet on it you want to fun with it you go right ahead i hate it so i associate this guy with things that i really really don't like and another thing in the more uh to the to the the profession or that his most popularity is coming from his podcast it's three freaking hours long and it's just a ramble fest it's just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talking and, talk and, and that's fine sometimes those conversations are really good and if people on youtube channels split them apart and just give you hey here's 10 minutes of elon musk or hell bernie sanders or or uh, the doctors who say covid is you know hypnotized into thinking that vaccine whatever the hell they said in those little pockets, that could be some really good information and conversation that's being discussed there, and that's fine. But overall, as a product, it's not really done that well. I mean, it's it's done well from a production standpoint that he can afford to have other people do a bunch of work for him, but it's just a long-winded, nonstop, rolling conversation that is fine in pockets, but man, my God, three hours? Hell no. I, and, and I'm just used to a different kind of format. And that's fine. We all like what we like, but uh, I do think that his his response has been has been pretty brilliant. And um, and everybody, most people are on his side from a corporate end. This is not a cancel uh, situation. I don't know if that was the goal from the Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, and now Graham Nash and Stephen Stills and David Crosby. Um, my biggest thing was get with me, and I talk about this here. Just my little quick contribution to the Chattanooga Driving Show clip I'm about to play you, was talk to me when Billie Eilish, when Drake, you know, when uh, 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 Tyler, the creator, pulls music. I'm just trying to think of crazy, over-the-top popular acts. Uh, you know, get, get, get to me, get with me then when that happens, and we'll see what this, what this really, what, what effect this has. I just don't think it's very relevant. I'm a Neil Young crazy person. I love, love, love the man. He's got probably 45 albums. I probably know front to back 15, probably 15 Neil Young records. I know basically front to back. And then I know good portions of about another 10. So I pretty much celebrate about half of his catalog. And this guy puts out a new album every couple of years. I haven't heard a Neil Young song I cared about in 10, 15 years. And that doesn't mean there's not one out there. I just hadn't heard it. 
And he's 80 years old. Who the hell cares what Neil Young says? And this is what he does. This is so on brand for him. Um, Joni Mitchell and all, all the others. So let's, um, I want to keep this one shorter if I can, but I probably won't because that's just how I usually roll. I'm going to give you five minutes. Bear with me here. You might, you might, if you don't want to hear it, get bores you, fast forward through it. If you like it, well, this is the kind of stuff we do every day, Monday through Friday on the Chattanooga Drive-In Show. This is, this is kind of a cross-promotional kind of thing. It is Jeff Styles, a man I adore as a broadcaster, but I don't agree with him. He thinks that this is a big deal. He thinks Neil Young is very um, uh, influential and can potentially really rock the boat, if you will, one way or another, either getting Spotify to change their... Uh, policies or get other people to follow him in his footsteps and i just don't really completely or even really at all agree this is jen lambert jeff styles russell stroud and a little bit of of myself as well as i am just a producer of this show for the next five minutes this is the chattanooga driving show you can hear it monday through friday uh at any time but it drops at 5 a.m. Hold on. Got to turn that up and hit play right there. Uh, Spotify continues to just feel the pressure. Joni Mitchell, uh, Harry and uh, Megan mm-hmm. and others said we are also pulling. If you do not rein Joe Rogan in, they're not trying to cancel him. They're not trying to get him fired. They're just saying he has got to quit giving people what could be fatal misinformation. The latest I mean, and he did this last week before it began. It's begin. The money's beginning to get equal now, Brian. We're talking Neil Young's category, you know, and and his music catalog versus what Joe Rogan brings in is not even close. Mm. Start adding Joni Mitchell and other classic rock artists up there, and those scales are beginning to level out, and they're beginning to have to go. Good God Almighty, this is going to be a snowball. We're going to miss all these '70s acts, and so Rogan on Friday. He brings in a doctor who says that the entire country was hypnotized to take the vaccine. We were all under mass hypnosis. That's the kind of bull crap that people let go unquestioned on other shows, podcasts, and broadcasts. And that qualifies across the board as not just misinformation, outright outlandish lies that go un, you know, challenged. And so Rogan is in trouble right now. Rogan has issued an apology. He says he's going to um, do better. And then Spotify has said that they're going to start putting some form of disclaimer either at the beginning or the end of you know, podcasts that are kind of we don't know, you know, whether the information is right or not. And also, just to point this out, I posted about this story on our Facebook page over the weekend, yeah. to which I received about 16 or 17 who cares about the story? Well, I care. I care. I think it's the best thing to ever happen to Spotify, actually, aside from getting Joe Rogan on the It's a platform. trending story. It's an important yeah. issue. And why wouldn't you care? What well, were you no, going to well, say? You, you, Joni you, Mitchell you, is... You see, critically acclaimed legends, Hall of Famers, all basically linking arms and saying, we're willing to take our own financial hit in order to make right. sure y'all get this right. Well, here's because a, people are dying because they're eating horse dewormer. I know a lot of people now who are actually pulling their subscription to Spotify because of this. Here's the thing, though. Joni Mitchell and Neil Young didn't really make very much money off of Spotify at all. They made, like, fractions of a cent per hundred plays, so it's not... Oh, wait, Joni much. Mitchell is the female version of Neil Young. Yeah, talk that's to right. Me, talk yeah, to, no, me, talk to me when Billie Eilish 
wants her money. That was exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say when Travis Scott pulls, then it's a big issue. Well, Tyler, the creator, doesn't want his music anymore on Spotify. Talk to me. Joni Mitchell to the demographic. Keep your eye on Taylor Swift. Have y'all ever seen the the follow the leader movement that takes place in in, in, in modern entertainment? Well, yeah, but Joni Mitchell and Neil Young are not leaders. I guarantee. Oh, they are. Uh, They are. Absolutely. I absolutely promise you they are. Yes. I guarantee you. Not on Spotify. No, not on Spotify. The Taylor Swifts of the world will absolutely follow in like kind what Joni Mitchell does. It wouldn't does. be Taylor Swift without Joni and, Mitchell. And, and the, I mean, the Black Keys will follow what Neil Young does, and it will be a snowball effect. I don't mm-hmm. know. If they, if they don't step up and Spotify actually say... Spotify needs to fix this. We'll, we'll get the parameters set. I'll believe it when I see it. I um, think Spotify's making money off the, of it. The Beatles, if, uh, maybe they've changed recently. The music, Beatles music can't be gotten on spotify I don't think last it can. i looked well and taylor yeah, swift and, and, uh, as well and not you, too long ago and if it was such a money maker for the beatles why wouldn't the music be there <laughs> right because oh, they don't need the money neither does neil young neither does Joni mitchell I mean, why, they're doing it out of out of pure principle it's yes, not it's, it's not a financial exactly. uh, argument for them not at all they're just saying i don't want to be associated with jerkwad my dad doesn't even I, know I how to listen to spotify Rogan. i could care less. joe rogan could disappear tomorrow and it wouldn't affect my life at all at all. My mom, who is probably your dad's age, loves Spotify. And so, she's considering canceling her subscription. I'm saying that they're, I never they're, use it, they're so listening. Whatever. I don't you're use you're probably right. They're probably making money on it now, but they better be. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it, it could turn into a train of people leaving the I, station. If I they want know. to become a podcast-only format and platform, that's where they're going to be heading. I think that Spotify exists in a space where they're just too convenient for most people to unsubscribe. And most people don't care that much i don't say most people don't care but they don't care yeah, enough go, to cancel you go ahead and start making a list of all the social media platforms that no longer exist anymore that you could have said that about 10 15 years ago and let me know when you're done <laughs> i think the uh debate conversation slash almost argument that we were kind of getting into we have to move very fast on that show i got a little lost in translation what the exact points were um 15 years ago a, a, a uh, social media platform was just a startup, and yes, many of them failed. Spotify is an absolute juggernaut, and it's not going anywhere, and it's not going to turn into a podcast-only uh, format. And it's Taylor Swift, Black Keys, whoever else that's on a, on a we put on a, a popular level of high volume of downloads, listens, and spins, as they would say, are not following suit here. They're not going to because there's nothing to see here. Everybody's going to forget about this in five minutes. Um, you know, there's it, it, we live in a breaking news, fake outrage, social media, just vicious cycle. It just doesn't stay on anybody's mind for any amount of time. And n- nobody cares that Neil Young's music is or isn't on Spotify, except for Graham Nash and Stephen Stills and Joni Mitchell and uh, uh, David Crosby and whoever else. Enough. Enough. Stop. We don't have to make everything out to be some kind of hard-charging stance. There's, 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 there's information out there. The Internet is a massive ocean of just junk and you're just going to have to deal with it. If you want to pull your music, pull your music. That's fine. That's totally fine. A um, couple here from Bill Burr's podcast I stumbled on quite literally a few hours ago that I wasn't planning on doing here, but I'm going to do. This is you know less than a minute both. And this is speaking to the same, the same topic. 
I'll just go ahead and just get right into it. Let me turn that back up there. This one is uh, the Joe Rogan experience is greater than old aging singer songwriters. That's how I wrote the note out to myself. This is from Bill Burr, the comedian's podcast. We can't talk Neil Young real quick. I saw they said that Spotify's stock lost $4 billion because Neil Young left or since Neil Young left. And I immediately thought to myself, no, it didn't. So they were all, one side was rooting for Neil Young, the other was rooting for the podcast, and Spotify chose the podcast. And the winner is the podcast. The podcast, the podcast, the podcast. Not the 80-year-old guy. So I guess what's her face? Uh, Joni Mitchell. It's kind of funny that all the Neil Young, all the, Neil Young, all the fucking Laurel Canyon, Canyon singer-songwriters are fucking walking away from Spotify. Who do you think's going to be next? The Monkees? Mickey Dolan's, he's the last guy. And the monkeys, right? And then I saw her face, right? Is he gonna be the next one? Fuck it out of here. <laughs> and I'm a believer. Yeah, and I'm like, well, okay. The monkeys, they're next. Um it's just so stupid. All right. One more here from Bill Burr. I, I had to chop it up a little bit because I was trying to be uh, as fast as I could with timing here. What did I write to myself on this? Oh, yeah. This is why I had to make sure I did two cuts, because everybody is just absolutely full of shit. Everybody is a goddamn liar. So then all the Neil Young people got to act like Spotify took this major fucking hit. They all fudged the numbers to make it look. Everybody's just full of fucking shit. I don't believe any fucking data until this shit happened. And then you just you just have the stats. And even then, that only works in fucking sports. It does not work. And other things, because then even after shit happens, people put their little spin on it and their little fucking numbers. I got to be honest with you. That human being instinct to want to win over getting the right answer is a fucking disease everybody has, including myself. It is. Uh, it really, really is a disease. And uh, it is it is very interesting that we are to a point now where the hippy-dippy 60s rockers are all of a sudden, you know, waving flags and, and smashing pots and pans together about mandating vaccines and shots and any kind of medical treatments. Like, this, this, what world are we living in? Neil and Joni? What are you, what are you talking about? I bet this mandate stuff, that the, the, mention, the minute it was mentioned, made my jaw drop. Like, are you... Are you are the have the Democrats and the Republicans just like literally taken all their ideology and just tossed it into a, a snow globe and just shook it up and threw it up against the wall? What is, the hell is going on here? And I'm guessing mainly, probably from both parties, th- their projections are just so off because the American public, the culture is so unpredictable at this point. And we're so overly stimulated, and our our phones every day are like trying uh, to diffuse a bomb going off in our hands. They just don't know which direction to go, and it's it's making uh, it's making people crazy. It's making me less crazy because I finally turned this television show off. I'm not saying I won't be involved and won't vote and won't be in you know at least somewhat. Uh, up to date to a certain degree with what's going on, but that television show, that political entertainment complex, man, I am done. I'm donezo, as the kids would say. Southern man. 
Absolutely love this song from Neil Young. I love, 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 love Neil Young. And uh, I don't give a damn what he thinks about Joe Rogan. I, uh, I just don't. All right, let's, uh, let's continue this in the next uh, segment just because why the hell not? And um, plenty of audio from Joe Rogan and my thoughts on that. And we'll wrap things up next. I wanted to make this video, first of all, because I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what I do, maybe based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. The podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. We are it's the only Joni Mitchell song I know. Sung and recorded and released by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Woodstock. I think there's a very good chance that Joe Rogan right now is opening up a dialogue that is more important than anything we've heard in the last year and a half. Now, I don't know that. And I might not ever, you know, be able to quantify that enough to know whether that's true or not. But I think there's a pretty good chance. I think there's a really good chance, actually. Uh, this idea, all of a sudden, that trusting government is something that we, we should be doing. Well, the CDC says. Well, the experts in health and medicine say. This is a, a government and government entities that have been poisoning Americans for a hundred years. More specifically, about 40, my entire life, 40, 50 years. This is, this, these are government-subsidized, money-making machines, and we're supposed to all of a sudden just trust everything that they say from some people's vantage points. I, I, I don't understand. This go. Uh, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this before. I know I said something about the hippies, hippies and sixties and uh, flower children. Now all of a sudden saying, you know, we need a mandate. A bunch of people get vaccines. Like what's that's just a parallel universe. And I'm going to attribute that thought to uh, Jim Place. We were sitting in the conference room at his uh, at his offices over at the point in East Brainerd, gorgeous facilities, and they do fantastic money management with him and his daughter, who's soon to take over the company as the, the head, whatever the hell, president or whatever. And he's like, can you believe these hippy-dippy types all of a sudden are wanting to mandate, you know, shots and medication? What the hell? 
I was like, you're right, man. You're right. And he couldn't be a, a more opposite ideological uh, brain than mine, especially with our age difference. Hell, he's Jim might be going on 80 years old. He's definitely in his 70s. Still very cognitively there and, uh, and, and, and a great, fun guy to sit down and talk to. So, uh, what, oh, didn't mean to do that. Uh, what the hell was my point? Um, my point is, is I, I, I don't have a greater point other than I think that what Joe is doing is potentially very important and not, not misinformation. But what is misinformation and then disinformation? We're so bombarded with all this, these buzzwords. We don't even know what they mean. And sometimes you got to sit down and just say, and I'm going to get to this audio and move as quickly as I can here. Sometimes you just got to sit down and say, you know what, guys? We got this one wrong. We got this one wrong. Not that COVID's not real. It's the freaking flu. It's another version of a flu. Okay? These vaccines are not dangerous. They're not going to hurt you. You're not going to grow a, you know arm out of your head. They're just variations of the flu shot. You already took the flu shot. What, you, you, you get the flu shot in 2020 and then you don't, Ever have to get a flu shot again? Of course not. It's a vaccine. It's not, it's not, this is, we're not talking about polio here. Um, so yeah, get the vaccine if you want. I've gotten it once. I don't know that I'll do it again. I don't know. I don't know. I joke when Eddie Vedder tells me that I have to, that's when I might do it. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Um, but sometimes it's, it's okay just to say, you know what? That, remember all these things we say? Oh, you said this one thing, and now it's this. Well, because it's science, because it changes. That's what science does. Well, we might be learning new things here, and Joe Rogan might be the guy bringing you the new information. I don't know if it's right, but it might be. It just might be. All right, so this is cuts from his uh, explanation. I guess it was on Instagram. And uh, we'll just start off with the first one here is, and I forgot to do this at work today when I had free time to type out something nice that I could read real clearly. And I had to chicken scratch it out on a piece of paper with a, you know, a pen in my terrible penmanship. So hopefully I can get through this and it makes sense. The first one here, I'll just say, what is misinformation? The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like for instance, Eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. You, whoever you is, would not be banned. Maybe Joe Rogan would. I don't know. Nobody can know that for sure. But he made a very good point, and uh, I, I'm, I'm listening. He goes on to talk about it's not just these two, maybe they're crackpot doctors, you know, scientists backing, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I didn't listen and I'm not going to. Uh, he says, I'd not, it's not just these two guys. I've had many different doctors on this show. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely. I get things wrong, but I try to correct them. 
Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. I'm interested in finding out what the truth is. And I'm interested in having interesting conversations with people that have differing opinions. Um, I'm not interested in only talking to people that uh, have one perspective. That's one of the reasons why I had Sanjay Gupta on, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who I respect very much, and I really enjoyed our conversation together. He has a different opinion than those men do. I had Dr. Dr. Michael Osterholm on at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, he is on President Biden's COVID-19 advisory board. I had uh, Dr. Peter Hotez on, who is uh, a vaccine expert. I'm interested in finding out what is correct and find, I'm also finding out how people come to these conclusions and what the facts are. And I promise you the people who are, quote unquote, pulling their subscriptions and the artists that are pulling their library from Spotify have not heard any of these. They have not heard any of these. I don't blame them. I don't want to hear. I don't want to listen to a show either. But I promise you that's the case. Uh, the one thing I do agree with, I'm totally disclaimers. I've been, you know, having disclaimers shoved down my throat my entire life. PG-13, explicit lyrics here for adult audiences, uh, TVMA, TBNC-17. I mean, I've been having this my whole life. Disclaimers are fine. And when I say we, I mean Spotify, Joe Rogan, and myself, we all agree on this. One of the things that Spotify wants to do that I agree with is that at the beginning of these controversial podcasts, like specifically ones about COVID, is to put a disclaimer and say that you should speak with your physician and that these people and the opinions that they express are contrary to the opinions of uh, the consensus of experts, which I think is very important. Sure, have that on there. I'm very happy with that. Um, also, I think if there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. Couldn't disagree with any of that except for, and it's not a disagreement. It's just that I also believe that the average asshole walking around doesn't have a quote unquote physician. Um, they have drug dealers that are disguised as uh, licensed practices of, of doctors and physicians and dock in the boxes and just people that are just trying to uh, lie their way through to get whatever drugs they're looking for to try to live whatever disastrous lifestyle they have. You know, that's certainly not everybody, but I think that's a majority of the dumb assholes walking around. So, you know, I that's a whole nother conversation for another day. This one I like a lot. Uh, what he does, what Joe Rogan does, and I can speak to this from all the experience in the world, is just some dumb asshole in Chattanooga. This kind of work, talking to people, having conversations, interviews, and doing it well is is very difficult work. And these aren't and what Joe does, what Joe Rogan does so well, just naturally, just God given talent, if that's how we want to uh, characterize it. These are not interviews, and I'll speak more to that coming up after this clip. I do all the scheduling myself, and uh, I don't always get it right. This, these podcasts are very strange because they're just conversations, and oftentimes I have no idea what I'm going to talk about until I sit down and talk to people, and that's why some of my ideas are not that prepared or fleshed out because I'm literally having them in real time. But I do my best, and they're just conversations, and I think, that's also the appeal of the show. It's one of the things that makes it interesting. 
give me a minute on this. There's a guy in Atlanta. His name is Chris Domino, part of the Atlanta Braves radio network, but primarily just from his sports talk radio shows and his interviews with old, uh, old-timer baseball guys. And uh, it's, it's some of the finest radio programming in the country. The content might not do anything for you, but the programming and the personalities and the way that it's assembled is as good as this country has. And um, just brilliant, brilliant broadcasting. And a lot of ribbon, a lot of fun. And it's not, it's not meant to be hilarious. Sometimes it is. But whenever he's on with the show I listen to in the afternoon, he always loses his, his bleep, and, you know, they know how to kind of poke each other, and they play parts a little bit, you know, kind of play up to the shtick. And anytime they mention interview or words that would be, you know, in, in a thesaurus, that would be words that you would use instead of interview, he loses it. He's like, listen, I've been doing this for 50 years or for 30 years, and I ain't done a damn interview to this day. And his whole thing is, I have conversations. I sit down and I talk to people. There just happens to be microphones in front of us. Um, my good friend, uh, uh, Brad Steiner, longtime radio professional who is in uh, New Orleans now, always says, and he was so right, and I already knew it, but the way he put it is like, a microphone changes anything. It changes everybody. As soon as you sit down and put a microphone in somebody's face, it changes the entire dynamic. And he's totally right on that. The the brilliance is of the person on the other side of the microphone who's used to having the microphone, who's able to settle down the person they're talked to, drive the conversation, and get the best out of them. Brad is incredible at that. Chris Domino down in Atlanta is as good as anybody I've ever heard at that. I am terrible at that. This goes back, and a lot of it's just from lack of uh, of, of uh, repetition. This goes back to my, uh, what is it, agoraphobia that I now figured out I have. It's the lack of, it's, it's a mental behavioral disorder when you feel like you don't have any control. And when I get into an interview with somebody, I, I can do it, but I have to put in some serious prep work into it. And, um, and I feel like I've, I don't have control of the situation. It makes me very, very nervous and very anxious. What Joe just said there was, um, I just, you know, I just throw these together and I don't really prepare. Once upon a time, I would have heard that out of somebody's mouth who's an influential broadcaster or podcaster or content creator with a distribution network like Spot of Freaking Fi. I would have been, you son of a bitch, you're going to come to me and tell me you don't prepare? And you're on the biggest platform in the world with the most listened to show in the country and you don't prepare? But I understand where he's coming from. I understand what he's talking about. He's just a windbag. And he just happens to be really good at having a conversation. Now he's a crappy broadcaster and you know and all that. But that but he's not a broadcaster. He's a podcaster. It's a completely different world. All right. Sorry. I just wanted to get that in there. I've got uh, what? Two more, it looks like, here for you. Um, this is him expanding a little bit more on the conversational nature of the Joe Rogan experience. I've never tried to do anything with this podcast other than just talk to people and have interesting conversations. I didn't plan it. I can't believe it's as successful as it is. It was never really an idea that I had. I, I, the, the podcast started off as just fucking around with my friends and having fun and talking. And then when it became popular, other people wanted to come on and I was like, oh, It'd be cool to talk to that person. Oh, he's interesting. Oh, she's got a cool book out. And then, 
boom, it's become what it is today, which is like some out of control juggernaut that I barely have control of. Last uh, thought on this, and I know this is a direction that nobody cares maybe or even talking about as far as what your responsibility is and, and how you should prepare for this kind of content uh, creation and distribution. It kind of goes back to uh, what I said my friend Brad was talking about, the microphone changes everything and also a variation of um, my buddy and the Clint uh, Clint Powell who does it during the break of uh, podcast and the, the reason for the name of that podcast is and I think Jeff might have started this years ago sorry if I'm taking it away from you Clint I don't know who originally said it but if you could hear the conversations during the break you'd really have a better idea of what we're talking about meaning that the organic nature of in the break was sometimes better than what was actually on the air and I am constantly sitting down with people and um, two or three of us, whether it's over beers or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, you know, we just did a fantastic podcast, right? Like we just sat here and just did a phenomenal hour podcast. And um, it's too damn bad. We didn't have microphones, but once you sit down and you put a microphone in a professional setting or even a semblance of a professional uh, recording situation, that changes the mood, that changes the uh, temperature in the room, it changes the blood flow, it changes the brain, because your brain starts to get overactive on, oh God, what do I do? Oh, what am I going to talk about here? What am I going to talk about there? It's totally understandable, and it still happens to me sometimes. I'll sit there and tell myself over and over and over again, I'm getting into the first segment, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to go there, and then I get to the end of the show, I'm like, I didn't do a goddamn thing I just said I was going to do right in the front. Because my brain just starts to operate differently in a live, no-net kind of setting. And most podcasts are not that. Most podcasts are stories. They're television programs in audio format. They're layered. They're produced. They're directed. From what I can tell, Joe Rogan's show is not really that. It is a just hit-go. I'm sure they do some post-production. You know, after the show's done, somebody goes in and cleans it up. I guess, maybe. I don't know. But... Most podcasts aren't like that, and I so I can totally identify with Joe Rogan. And I mean, keep it up, man. Do your thing, Joe Rogan Experience. I ain't never gonna sit down and listen to three hours of your show. I promise you that. I mean, I'm not gonna listen to almost anybody's podcast, it's, even though I do one. It's not really my thing. But all right, we're right about an hour. Once again, I think we're a little under an hour at this point. If I'm doing my math in my head right, I think we're just a little under. I'm out of here. I'll get you another show next week. We'll hear from Weston Womp, and we'll hear from a British dude who spent a, uh, a long weekend, if not maybe a full week, in Chattanooga and what he thinks about it. And uh, maybe I'll go back down this NFL thing. Maybe I'll do this other stuff I didn't get to. Or maybe we'll have bombed or Russia will have invaded Ukraine by then. Who knows? In this wacky news cycle, there's no telling. Thank you so much for finding the midweek download destination that has been on Thursdays recently. I don't know. We'll keep it Wednesday, Thursday, whenever, however it works. And uh, appreciate you very much. Take care. See you later. Bye.